Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Everything that took place at the tabernacle was for God's purpose. There was nothing common that took place at the tabernacle. Everything that took place there was for the Lord. All of it. It wasn't a common place. It wasn't somewhere you would just kind of dilly-dally into and have a cup of coffee or tea. It was a place where people went to meet with God, to speak to God, to hear from God, to offer sacrifice to God, to enjoy fellowship with God, but it was all about God. So God says, now you and me, I live in you now. Even after you die to self, as we're called to do by Christ, you still have freedom to make choices. As Pastor Bill will clarify in today's message, you don't become a robot controlled by the Holy Spirit, whether you want to be or not. You still must choose to follow the Holy Spirit as He leads. He won't force you into anything. You choose to dedicate yourself as a temple of His Holy Spirit. Your obedience is an act of love in response to the love and grace He gave you through Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 7, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, it, Now it came to pass, when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, that he anointed it, and he consecrated it, and its furnishings, and the altar, and all its utensils, so he anointed them and consecrated them. So first, we'll look at that. The tabernacle is complete. And now what they begin to do is they say, after they have finished setting it up, uh, they begin to anoint it. And when you think of anointing, and I, I hate that some of these terms have gotten kind of messed up in churchianity, church culture. There are people now that's like, I got the anointing. And, you know, we think of anointing and it's somebody running around with a real bad shout and a cool robe on and everything else. Well, in the Old Testament, when something was anointed, um, this, it was the, the sense many times it was it was accompanied with the laying on uh, putting on of oil what's oil symbolic of in the scriptures Holy Spirit and so whenever there's an anointing the anointing oil that they would anoint the priest or the leadership with when David was anointed king and the, the oil would run down their hair run through the beard the anointing oil it was God that it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God coming upon this person to anoint it for service unto him and so here, this place, this tabernacle where they're going to do business with God, where they're going to go to engage God, where they're going to go to offer sacrifices to the Lord, this place is anointed. I just thought it was interesting because, because the very same thing we see with the tabernacle is going to be anointed, consecrated, and all of its furnishing, every part of it is going to be consecrated, set apart for the Lord. Um, first it's set up, then it's anointed, then it's consecrated. I thought about our lives. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant and the representation of the presence of God was there for them at the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies, in the holy place. Right. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell now? In us, in me and in you. You're his house. So in New Testament, Paul says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God now has taken up residence in me and in you. We're his house. And so in the same way that God said, now this place is mine. And I'm going to put my spirit upon. I'm going to anoint it. I want there to be power for service here. I want it to be consecrated. I don't want any other. I don't want this building. This building doesn't have another use. You'll never find that they went to the tabernacle and played cards. Or they went to the tabernacle and had a barbecue. Or a, Now they did barbecue, but it was an anointed barbecue. They were Everything that took place at the tabernacle was for God's purpose. There was nothing common that took place 
at the tabernacle. Everything that took place there was for the Lord. All of it. It wasn't a common place. It wasn't somewhere you would just kind of dilly dally into and have a cup of coffee or tea. It was a place where people went to meet with God, to speak to God, to hear from God, to offer sacrifice to God, to enjoy fellowship with God. But it was all about God. So God says, now you and me, I live in you now. It's not like God owns me in the sense that I wake up and he's controlling me like a monkey or a ro- like a robot or a puppet, you know. I know I said monkey, but, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I, I, I very much feel like I could do what I want to do. I wake up, I get up. If I want to read, I read. If I don't want to read, I don't read. If I want to lay there a little longer, I can lay there. No one makes me do it, right? No one, God doesn't jump inside you and, and begin to control you and make you do what he wants now. But God says, I live inside you. And I want your life to be set apart for me, but the, 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 we got to work in cooperation. We're, we're not like the tabernacle in the sense that God had man uh, kind of mandating that things go such a way. God says now as an act of worship to me, I want your body. I want your life to be a living sacrifice. I want you to live for me. I want you to choose when you get up to come be with me. I want you to choose to worship me. Um, and as you look at these people here, when they bring these offerings, it's something that they chose to do. They chose to bring these offerings. And Again, as I contemplated the chapter, I thought, man, is this a chapter, Lord, where I, I should really heavily challenge the people in their giving? And you know what the Lord told me? That what, what I really need to challenge people to do is to give themselves to the Lord more fully. Oftentimes, it's, 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 it's because I haven't given myself to God that I don't give him my gifts and I have a hard time giving my resources because I haven't really, I'm not fully given over to the Lord. And God is more concerned with having you than he is with having your stuff or your money or those things. First, he wants you. He wants you to be with him. He wants to be connected. He wants there to be a love relationship between you and him. And so, uh, again, the tabernacle is, is set up. It's anointed. And again, that's just the comparison there. Back then, the anointing was, it was something was empowered for service. That was the anointing. And then it was consecrated. And we looked at the Nazarite vow last week. That was a sort of consecration. What is, when something's consecrated, it's set apart for holy purpose doesn't have multiple uses. And uh, best way I can illustrate this, you know, I, 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 there's all of us have things that are maybe common use. If you live in a household with a family, maybe there's cups and today it's your cup and tomorrow it's someone else's cup. It's just kind of common. But everybody also has some things at home that are uniquely yours. I, most of us, I'm assuming I, 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 I could be wrong. Some of y'all might do household different. But at my household, my toothbrush, that's my toothbrush. I mean, I love my wife. I kiss my wife. But I don't expect to get up and see Mika with my toothbrush. I have something to say. Wait, wait a minute. You know, that's a, that's for my that's for my critters, you know, whatever. So that's set apart. That's that's just for me. Uh, when I was young, when I was a, a teenager, my sister one time, and I never forget this. It would ruin my life. I came home one day and, and this is, you know, I, I went came home. I had all my boxers, you know, and I was. Back then, I, you know, you sagging, so I got to have boxers and match my, my this and my that. And I remember walking, coming into the house, and my sister was wearing my boxers like, like shorts. And I was like, no, no, you can't. This, 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 you know, I'm not sharing underwear with you, you know. And, and it, it was one of those things that this is just supposed to be set apart for me. I was, I, was, I was appalled that she had taken upon herself to take my underwear. And so I, I wonder what it's like with the Lord when he's saying, I purchased them with my blood. I'm giving them everything I got. And I, 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 I've, given them, I've given everything to have you. And he looks down and it's like, but they're not living consecrated. Like, like, they're mine, but they're doing what they want. They're mine. They belong to me. I love them. They're, they're going to be in heaven with me, but they're not, they're not living 
as though they're mine. It doesn't look like they're mine the way they're living right now. And that's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Um, that would be grievous, you know, to be looking down at your creation that you love, that you know it's better for them to be with you. But as you're looking at them, they won't be with you. They're being with them. They're being they're busy doing something else that's not good for them. And you can't make them stop. You can you can convict them and challenge them and teach them and preach them and and prophesy. You can do all these different things, but, but they have to choose to be consecrated. So I want you to, to consider, as I, as I have to consider as well, that God wants consecration. Um, in the same way that this tabernacle was going to be a special place where God was going to meet with his people and work in their lives and do wonderful things. Um, God says, now I live in you and I want to do all those same things. I want to do wonderful things in you and through you. I want you to live set apart for me. What do you think you would lose if you just lived a whole life set apart for God? Do you think you would miss out on something? Um, some people do. Some people think, well, I live, but if I just live my whole life just doing God stuff, you know, I'll be bored. I would never have fun as though, think about this, who made fun? You and me have been made in the image of God, right? So the part of you that's like, man, I just like to laugh. Who made you like that? Who did that? God did that. You've been made in his image. The part of you that's like, I just want to have fun sometimes. God's like, I, I did that too. I mean, you, you never had fun. The part of you wants some a little adventure. We just, we just take all that God made and we go do it in wrong ways. Some of us need a little adventure. And God's like, what you need to do is go out there and, and overcome your fear of sharing the gospel. That'd be an adventure. But we go find an adventure somewhere else, doing some radical thing. I'm going to jump off a building and hope I don't die with a parachute or something, you know. I'm going to come off of that. So moving on, consecration, he does want us set apart for him. He wants us to be separated to himself um, because he loves us. Verse 2, then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their father's houses, who were the leaders of the tribes and over those who were numbered, made an offering. And so... Um, again, over each of the tribes, there's 12 tribes. Each tribe named a leader. It named uh, someone who was representative of the tribe. And that person was coming forth um, to make an offering for that tribe. So um, the first tribe we'll look at is the tribe of Judah. The person that's named is a guy named Nashon. Um, sound like, well, anyway, it, it, he, he's the one that comes forth and as a representative of the tribe of Judah, Nashon brings the offering. Each tribe made an offering. Verse three, and they brought their offerings before the Lord, six covered carts, 12 oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders and each, each one an ox and they presented them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, accept these from them that they may be used during the work of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall give them to the Levites. Now, I want you to notice the last part of this verse because it's key. You shall give them to the Levites. And it says to every man according to his service. So God says, look, I, I want you to receive their offerings and I want you to see how the offerings work. Right. God at this time in history had a, had a he had a way in which he dealt with the people. This is the old covenant. And so under the old covenant, they would come to the tabernacle. The people that he had raised up to serve in the tabernacle, those were the Levites. Their full-time gig, they stayed at the tabernacle. They had jobs. They cleaned utensils, sacrificed animals, put away things, ran stuff outside the camp. They, that was their full-time gig. They didn't get to go do other stuff. When it was time to go to war, the Levites couldn't go do war because they had to stay and do tabernacle stuff. That was their job for the Lord. So God said, I got to take care of them. And so when you guys bring, when offerings come in, I'm making sure that everybody gets something. They got to eat off of this as well. But he says this to every man according to his service. 
And uh, we'll see it a little further that some receive more than others. And um, some people, a lot of the titles that I looked at uh, on this chapter was, you know, people saying, well, this, this, is, that, is that not fair? You know, is it, is it fair for one group to get more than another? Where I want you to notice this verse here, which is every man according to his service. And we're going to take some time to go over to the New Testament a little later and look at how that this is very similar to how God deals with us now. There's an element of grace in how God deals with us, giving us what we don't deserve. And everybody here has experienced grace. That's God's unmerited, undeserved favor. But then there also are parts of our relationship and our walk with the Lord where God says, according to how you do, is going to determine how it goes for you. Um, those that are faithful with little, what does God say? Maybe given much. Those that are not faithful with the little, what does God do? Takes away the little they have. And who does he give it to? The one that has more. That doesn't seem fair. He already has more. Why does he get more? He already has more. How come he gets more? Because he was faithful. And so one thing we want to know in God's kingdom, faithfulness is the criteria for the Lord. Faithfulness, not giftedness, not ability, um, not charisma, faithfulness. And the cool thing with that, you guys, is everybody can be faithful, right? I'm limited in terms of gifts. I only have the gifts that I have. I can't make them bigger. I can't make my gifts more than what they are. But I can be faithful with my gifts. You have what God's given you. And you can't make it more. You can't, you can't be something that you're not. But as you are, everybody here is able to be faithful. And so... For the believer, that's the aim. God, I just want to be faithful, right? I don't want to look at someone else and say, well, I want to, they do it like that and, and it looks more effective. Well, I'm going to do what they're doing. God said, no, 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 no. They may have some gifts that you don't have. And so what you want to do is be faithful with what you have. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a difficult thing for some people to work through, but that's what God is, desires of us, that we would be faithful. Look at verse six now. So Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen gave, he gave to the sons of Gershom according to their service. You want to mark that when you see it. So they get two carts and four oxen according to their service. And four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. But to the sons of Kohath, he gave none because theirs was the service of the holy things which they carried on their shoulders. So I want you to notice something. No one's got the same deal so far. First, the sons of Gershom, they get two carts and four oxen. Then the sons of Merari, they get four carts and eight oxen. They get double what they got. And then the sons of Kohath, now they work the hardest. The sons of Kohath have to carry everything on their shoulders. So every time they move camp, the sons of Kohath, their job was to carry this stuff on boards and poles and hold it like this on their shoulders. They were like the donkeys. They were doing the, the labor, the hard work. My mind thinks that that's worthy of, I mean, they work really hard, right? If, if, we, were to, if we were to do a service for the Lord tomorrow and the people in the front row sat in an air-conditioned office and typed, you know, responses to people, and the people in the second and third row, um, they were outside carrying stuff in the sun all day, giving food to people. And then everybody else actually carried the stuff to and fro. My mind would say, who worked really, really hard? I would be like, man, the people that were out in the sun, the people that carried all the stuff, it would be weird 
for them to be like they were in the office in the AC type of the thing. And it would just seem like, well, we, we, we should get more, shouldn't we? Didn't we do more? And there's something I want you to, to note with the Lord. We know that part of the character and the nature of God is that he's just. He's fair. And we don't ever want to be in a place. It's a real bad place to be in as a believer when you start looking around and say, how come they got that? And I got this. I've been serving longer. I've been, I've been more faithful. They're not even barely walking with the Lord. And look at what they got. I've been, I've been really doing good, Lord. I've been dying in my flesh. I've been doing my devotions. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time. And that's when we start looking around. Paul said, you know, comparing ourselves by ourselves. He said, that's not wise. We never we don't want to do that. And we don't want to judge God as unfair. I don't want to look at God and say, well, God, they got double what I got. It doesn't seem fair. Because what each group does get is what they need. Some get more, some get less. God, we don't even get a response from the Lord. God doesn't say, this is why. Um, we get little glimpses, every man according to their service. And so something about the way these people served, again, I'm looking at Kohath saying they carried all the stuff, they had the burden, but they get none. That's just the way it is. Verse 10, now the leaders offered the dedication. Off, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me say this last thing. So the sons of Kohath, they didn't get anything. Everybody else did. Um, it would have been very disadvantageous. Is that a word? Is that right, babe? All right, thank you. My, she be correcting my English all the time. So it would have been very disadvantageous because Mika Buffington said it is a word. That's for the recording. If they would have decided that, I don't think this is fair, so I'm mad at God. If they get mad at God and turn their back on God, what do they have? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They were still going to be living under God's care. Their needs were still going to be provided for by the Lord. If they get mad at God, they lose. Don't, you, need to, you need to know that for yourself. When you get mad at God, you lose. You're mad at your only help. You're mad at the only one that can comfort you, the only one that can help you. You're mad at him instead of crying out to him. And so you want to be careful about what you do when you're frustrated or when you think life's dealt you a bad blow. Um, I challenge people all day. If anybody listens to me preach regularly, you hear this often. Don't don't get when you get mad at God. It's one of Satan's big tricks. Satan is always trying to find a way to get you and I separated from the Lord. He'll get, he'll get you separated from the Lord through tempting you and you fall into sin. Boom. Sin brings separation. Another way that he'll get you separated from the Lord is get your affections off on other things. He'll throw some lures out there. And if we're not wise, we'll run after those lures. And he knows we belong here, but he got us way out there on the Lord. Got you separated from the Lord. But one of his great tricks in the kingdom of God, getting people to be in a place where they're mad at God. And I've had I've even heard pastors say um, even make people feel OK. Like, you know, it's OK to get mad at God. It's all right. You know, you could just, just tell them how you feel. Can I tell you? That that's false? God is holy. You can't be mad at God. He died for you. How are you going to be mad at the one who died on the cross for you? He died, he bled, he died. He, he, he was hung on a cross, he bled and died for you. We can't, you can't be mad at God. And if you feel free to be mad at him, it, it, it almost is a demonstration that you don't recognize how, how high and holy he is. He's not my friend. He's not like one of my buddies. I can say, hey, man, I appreciate you, you know, doing that the other day. Man, I would, you know, do that to me again. I can talk, talk to one of my buddies like that. Um, but I, the Lord, I can't talk to the Lord like that. He died for me. I can say, God, I don't know why you let that happen. 
You, you see, I'm all kind of messed up, um, but I, I'm going to go to the Lord with my hurts. God, my feelings are hurt. I'm frustrated. I'm, 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 I'm all in my feelings over this thing right here, So, I, but I know you know what you're doing. So I'm just coming to you saying, help me to get straightened out. Help me to get, help, help me to get these creases ironed out so I'll be okay. Um, but we, we want to just come back to him saying, God, you, you're good. I know that much. I know that you're good. I know that you love me. I know that all things are working together for the good according to me because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. So when I don't understand why this is and what it is, I don't want to be mad at him. I want to be looking to him. Amen. And so be careful about ever getting yourself into a place where you, you calling yourself mad at the Lord. Don't ever do it. Um, it. There's no benefit to being mad at God. You lose when you're mad at the Lord. Moving on. It says, um, uh, verse 10 now, now the leaders offered the dedicated offerings for the, for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, they shall offer the offering one leader each day for the dedication of the altar. So as part of this big ceremony where the altar is going to be dedicated, uh, there's a person from each tribe that's going to come up and make an offering to the Lord. Um, if you're writing notes and you want to write down one through 12, I'm going to give it to you real quick. Um, if not, then just be patient and listen. Um, instead of reading through verses 12 all the way to verse 83, I'm going to give you the summary of it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what happens in those verses. We're going to read the first one, verses 12 through 17. This is the tribe of Judah as they make this offering to the Lord. And then, like I told you guys earlier, the other 11 tribes, they all gave an identical offering. And we'll talk about why that is. So let's look at the first one together. Look at verses 12 through 17. This is going to be the tribe of Judah. It says, now the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Aminadab from the tribe of Judah. So the person offering it was Nashon. The tribe he represented was Judah. Verse 13, his offering was one silver platter the weight of which was 130 shekels and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and, uh, oh, sorry, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram and one male lamb in his first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering and the sacrifice of the peace offering two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. And so when I tell you guys that whole chunk, it, it's like, they, you know, you ever type a paper and you copy and paste over and over again. That whole chunk is copy and paste 11 more times. It'll just, the only thing changes is the person that's offering it and the tribe. So verses 12 through 17, we got the tribe of Judah represented by Nashon. He makes the offering. Number two, um, this is verses 18 through 23. This is the tribe of Ishakar, and they're represented by Neth uh, Nethanel. Um, number three is verses 24 to 29. It's the tribe of Zebulun, and they're represented by Eli Eliab. Number four, this is verses 30 through 35. It's the tribe of Reuben, and they're represented by Eliezer. E-L-I-Z-U-R, the best I can do. Um, number five is verses 36 to 41. It's the tribe of Simeon, and they're represented by Shalumiel. Verses, uh, number six, 
verses 42 to 47. It's the tribe of Gad, and they're represented by Eliasaph. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word. <laughs>